First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. It's a a joy and a privilege to be with you this morning, and I thank you for the opportunity. I thank Pastor Scott. Over the last uh, several Sundays, he's been in a series on Romans chapter 12. I think most of you have been here. He's talked about the new surrendered you and the new transformed you, and he asked me this morning to continue in that series and talk to you a little bit, uh, share with you about the new serving you. And before I do that, I want to draw your attention to two things, please, in the sanctuary this morning. First, in your bulletin is a little Serving First Baptist Church card. I want you to take that out, set it somewhere you can refer to it later. I'm going to come back to that later in the service, but I want to make sure you have one and that you know that it's there. Second thing I want you to to look at, and I hope you can see it from over here. If you cannot, then you'll want to come over to look at the uh, what I'm going to call the collage of color here to my left. Now, you may be wondering what that is. If you get up close to it, you'll notice that that is hands. Those are hand prints on that sheet there. And what those handprints are, uh, back in the fall of last year, there was an appreciation banquet for all of the volunteers here at First Baptist Church. And uh, one of the things we did at that banquet was to, to paint our hands and to place a handprint on this canvas. And what the purpose of that was was to show how many hands it takes for, for God's work to get done. And if you'll look closely, my hand is the yellow one over there. I'm sure you won't have a problem finding it. And maybe you'll be able to see yours and identify yours uh, uh, easily here in the days ahead. I hope that you can. We're uh, looking this morning at Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Uh, I want to read these verses and uh, refer back to them as we preach from them this morning. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to Romans chapter 12, begin with verse 3. And the Word of God says, For I say, through the grace given to me, for everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that has been given, excuse me, to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Our ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality. The Word of God, excuse me, He who leads with diligence, He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The Word of God is very plain and very true here that each one of us have a function in the kingdom of God, a place of service. And I want to look at that this morning. I'm kind of a a simple-minded fellow. I don't do a a lot of uh, of fancy things. I I normally don't stand still behind a pulpit. I normally don't have notes. But I'm going to try and follow my notes and my outline this morning so that you can take some notes And maybe uh, together God will speak to your heart as He's spoken to my heart through this scripture. Our passage deals with becoming a new servant for the Lord Jesus Christ. And becoming a new servant in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to look at this today and, and try to assess three simple things. How we are, who we are, and what we are. 
Pretty simple. Let's look at how we are. And this, this passage here in verse 1 says, I beseech you, uh, excuse me, it says in verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We are to take a moment and do self-examination. We're to look at ourselves. And we're to look at ourselves to see just exactly how we are, what's going on in our lives. Now, uh, I've reached that age that, that I do a lot of self-examination. In a month, I'll turn 65 years old. I'm not old yet. I've got a month. But I've started that, that self-examination that's so, so pertinent at this age. Uh, every day, I ask myself, where are my keys? Where are my glasses? What am I supposed to be doing today? And that kind of self-examination is good and necessary, I think. But it's not what it's talking about here. What it's talking about here is asking yourself, am I looking at myself and avoiding self-pride? That's the first thing we have to do. We have to avoid thinking more highly of ourselves than we really are. You know, you read out of Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And that's so very true. We have to, we have to look at ourselves and, and remember, we're, we're not as good as, as we may think we are. This came home to me many years ago. And, and uh, I was a youth minister at a church in Faraday, Louisiana, back, uh, well, just about 50 years ago, actually, 45 and uh, while I was a youth minister there, one Sunday afternoon, our youth choir met at, at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon to practice. And uh, I was standing outside the, the, the church in the parking lot talking to a group of our youth. There were about 30 of them out there. And one of our, our youth leadership men, one of the men on our leadership team, came riding up on his brand-new motorcycle. Now, for you that are motorcycle enthusiasts, you'll know what I mean. He had a Yamaha Big Bear which back then was an expensive, nice motorcycle. And he rode up on it, and he rode up into the middle of that crowd of, of, of young folks and myself, and, and we were all talking. He said, hey, Paul, you want to take a ride? I said, yeah, man, I'd love to. So he got off and handed me the keys. Yeah, you know where this is going. I got on. I was able to crank it. Unfortunately, I popped the clutch. I went straight across the street, head first into a mud puddle, spread eagle front forward, face in the mud. The bike went a little bit further before the front wheel completely twisted and turned over. I believe pride goes before the fall. <laughs> you got to examine yourself. There shouldn't be false pride to think we can do it. We're the best. We, we can do better than anybody else. We have to learn to depend on God, and we have to learn that there's some things that we can't do. And my dear friend, there are some things God won't ask you to do. So the first thing we need to do is examine ourselves to avoid false pride. But we also have to examine ourselves to avoid a, 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 a false deprecation. 
uh, avoid thinking that, that you and I are, are no good in the kingdom of God, that God can't use us. There's not an excuse you can give God for not serving Him that He hasn't already heard. There's not a, a, a time that you can't speak and God hasn't already heard what you're saying from somebody else. You think about it in the Bible. You think about back in the third, fourth, fifth chapter of the book of Exodus, and you think about Moses. God said, Moses, I want you to be my spokesman. And Moses said, I can't go and talk to Pharaoh. Who, who's he going to believe I'm from? What, what are my credentials? And God said, tell him that I am sent you. And Moses said, but Lord, I can't, I can't go and, and talk to him. I, I've, got, I've got nothing to show for it. I've got nothing I can do to, to convince him that I'm really from you. And the Lord said, that's okay. These are the miracles I'm going to teach you to do. And he did the miracles before him. And Moses, even after that, said, but Lord, I, I, I've got a, a, a slow speech. I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm not one that can, can project my voice. I'm not one that, that can speak. I, I, I just can't go. And God looked at Moses and said, take Aaron with you. You tell Aaron what today say, and Aaron will say it. See, God's heard the excuses. Isaiah said, Lord, look at me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And God purged its lips so he could speak for him. And my favorite's over in the New Testament is Peter. And three times Peter denied Christ publicly. And then if you remember the scriptures, after the crucifixion, they all went back up to the upper room. And it was Peter who said, I'm going fishing. He went back to his old way of life. And even through all of that, God said, Peter, I've got something for you to do. And Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. There's something each and every one of us can do in the kingdom of God. And when we take this self-examination, when we look at ourselves and we don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought, when we realize that all of our excuses and all of the things that we're saying are, are, are false, that God can take care of us in the words of the Apostle Paul, that all things are possible with Him, that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. When we look at these things, then we realize God can use us. And when we look, we look at these things, the Scripture says soberly. Or as it says here, to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I'm going to tell you, God wants you to do all that He wants you to do for Him and nothing else. Can I make that statement again? God wants you to do all that He wants you to do for Him and nothing else. Go back to the book of Judges, and, and, and my favorite judge out of the judges of Israel is the judge Shamgar. And you probably never heard of Shamgar. He's found two times in the book of Judges. There's two verses, uh, Judges chapter 3, verse 31, and Judges chapter 6, verse 5. And if you go back and, and look at that, let me, let me share with you what verse 31 says. Chapter 3, verse 31 of Judges. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Now here's a judge of Israel. And the scripture says that he killed 600 men with an ox goat. What's the big deal? Saul killed thousands. David's tens of thousands. Samson's untold numbers. Uh, they've been greater warriors. 
than one who only killed 600 people. There have been greater men than, than, than one who, who obviously was just a country farmer because he had an ox goat. If you don't know what an ox goat is, that's a, a long stick that on one end is kind of made into a spoon so he can dig the, the carts out of the mud. And the other end is, is a blunted end that's, that's kind of pointed, uh, kind of sharpened, but blunted on the end. And you poke the ox with it to get the ox to go. It's an ox goad. And here you got a picture of this old farmer taking care of Israel and defending them against 600 Philistine soldiers. What's the big deal about that? The big deal is this. He did what God wanted him to do. Nothing more. Nothing flashy, fancy. Nothing that, that goes into the annals of history as being a, a, a great battle. Although I have in my mind this, this old farmer standing and, and, and having this, this stick with him and looking around at 600 soldiers and going, you boys sure you want a piece of this? <laughs> you know, I just got that in my mind. Here's the deal, folks. Examine yourselves to avoid that self-pride, to avoid that self-deprecation, to look at yourself soberly to know God can use you to do what He wants you to do and no more. He's not going to call on you to do more than He wants you to do. Look at the second thing here. Once we, once we realize, once we think about it, and, and once we realize that we begin to understand uh, how we are, then we can, uh, we can begin to know who we are. And if you look at verse 5 of this passage of Scripture, or verse 4 and 5, it says, For as, as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one body. We're members of one body in Christ. Now, there are problems sometimes with the body of Christ. Sometimes these members don't always get along. Sometimes there's a, uh, there, there's a little friction and the Apostle Paul wrote 1 and 2 Corinthians to talk about the, the problems in the body. And he, he addresses the fact that, that we're all members of one body. He addresses the fact that, that we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't follow men. We're not a disciple of men. We're a disciple of Jesus Christ. When we go out and make disciples, we're not going out to make disciples of First Baptist Church Melbourne. We're not going out to make uh, disciples of, uh, of Dr. Scott Wilson. We're not going out to make disciples of anyone in this church. We're going out to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And here in this passage of Scripture, he is saying that, that there are many in the body, that we're one body in Christ. That's why the Christian church refers to one another as brothers and sisters because we have the same Heavenly Father. That's why you'll hear somebody say, sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, not so much in, in this area, but where I have pastored in, the, in, uh, in more rural areas of, of Tennessee and, and uh, uh, Georgia and, and other areas, they, they, they still say that prominently because we're brothers and sisters. We're part of the body of Christ. Now, now, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we share uh, a lot of things in common. Number one, we're adopted into the kingdom of God. We're, we're all brothers and sisters. We've been adopted. Number two, we share the fact that we're, we're part of the same body. We share the same Father. So we worship the same God. 
And if we have the same Father and worship the same God, then we're being taught by the same teacher, the same teachings, and we're one in the unity in the body of Christ. And that's very important. But not only does it say here that we're, we're members of one body in Christ, we're still individuals in the eyes of God. We're still individuals. He died for you. He died not just for anybody, but for you as an individual. And as an individual, we serve Jesus Christ. Many years ago, many years ago, there was a, a, a poem on the back of a Decision magazine. And, and Decision magazine is put out by Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I, I don't know if it still is or not. It was, was back when I was in high school. And, and uh, all the way back then, there was, there was a poem on the back of one of those magazines. It was by a lady by the name of Charlotte M. Noble. I don't know anything about her. and I, I tried to Google her, and I, I couldn't find the poem by her. But I remember that's who it was by. And it was a little short thing. But it points to the individuality and the importance you have in the kingdom of God and I have in the kingdom of God. The title of the poem is No Other Way. And it goes something like this. Is it true, dear Lord, you're looking to me to speak of your love each day? Can you use one so faulty and timid as I? Tell me, dear Lord, I pray. Then silently awaiting, the answer came from the Lord so kind and true. I have no other way of reaching the lost. I'm depending entirely on you. Depending entirely on me, grave thought as I muse the past failures and loss. As souls by my side passed into the night, and I led them not to the cross. Forgive me, dear Lord, forgive me, I pray. And daily remind me, you have no other way. You're important in the work of the kingdom of God. If you're a believer you've given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, then you're important in the work of the kingdom of God. You're necessary to the completion of the work of God in this place. And that's so important for us to remember. It's so important that we understand that God can use us, that we know who we are. We are servants of God. There's a, a, a simple, simple statement. And that simple statement is this, and I just said it, but I'm going to say it again. You are important in the work of the kingdom of God. You are. No matter who you are, no matter how many excuses you give, you're important to God's kingdom and God's work. Once we know who we are and, 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 and what we are, excuse me, know uh, who we are and, and how we are, we, we can look at this third thing now, what we are. What are we? We're, we're servants. That's what we are. We're servants in the kingdom of God. We're, we're different people with different gifts. Not all of us have the same gift. You have listed here in this, in this passage of Scripture a, a list of what I think 
are the prominent needs of the church in Rome at that day. So Paul's saying that if you have these gifts, these needs, these are the things we need right now. These are the people we need to stand up, rise up, speak up, and, and serve. And I think that's what this list is. You can find a list similar to these of, of the gifts of the Spirit and the call of God on a person's life over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can go over to, to Ephesians chapter 4, you can go over to 1 Peter chapter 4. All of these give list of the kingdom of God's service, uh, uh, of needs in the kingdom of God, of ways to serve God. But right now, what we need to realize, we're different people with different gifts. Do you understand why Jesus sent out 72 while he called 12 diverse individuals? It's because every single person has something unique to offer the kingdom of God. We're not the same. And because of our differences, because of our uniquenesses, we're able to serve God in a very wonderful and unique way that God has given to each one of us, and He's empowered you. He's empowered you to serve Him in a unique and wonderful way as a servant in the kingdom of God. That brings me to, to, to the, the second part of this, and that is use your gifts. Use your gifts. Now, in, in conversations with individuals, I, I hear a lot of people say, you know, well, I don't have a gift. I hear other people say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. And I, I, I actually knew a man that was saved, and, and, and he, he quit his job, and, and he, he, uh, he literally sat down, and he said, I'm going to wait for God to tell me what to do. I'm going to do it. It was very sad. He ended up losing everything. He lost his family. He lost everything. Because that's not the way God works. You see, the way God works is he, he looks at you, and you're saved, and he begins to show you the things that you can do, and he begins to speak to you the things that he wants you to do, and he begins to open the doors that you can do them. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, well, I don't know what to do in the kingdom of God. I want to give you an exercise. I want, to, I want you to do something, and I'll challenge you to do this. It's real simple. If you've got a piece of paper, write this down. This is, this is, uh, if you don't get anything else this morning, get this. I want you to, to do this simple exercise. I want you to go home, take out a sheet of paper or use your computer, whatever you do, and ask three questions. I'll tell you the questions in a moment. Answer all three questions. Set that piece of paper to the side and do it again and do it ten times. Same three questions, but you cannot repeat a single answer on any of the questions. By the time you get to that tenth page... You're going to know what God wants you to do. Here are, the, here are the three questions. What can I do? What can I do? What, what do I like to do? What can I do right now? What do I enjoy doing? How can I do it? How can I do what I like to do? And how can I do that in, in the kingdom of God? How can I use what I, what I can do in the kingdom of God? How, how can I use it? What can I do? How can I do? And then the third question is, when do I start? When I get started doing what I can do in the kingdom of God. Answer that ten times. And you'll come up to the end of those ten times, and what you will find is you will find that God can use you in a very unique and wonderful way, in a pointed way, and you'll know right where God wants you to be. 
In the meantime, know that God needs to use you right here in this very place. That God needs to use you at First Baptist Church. I told you earlier to refer back to your, to your bulletin to take out this little serving card and to look at it. These are the immediate needs of the congregation. Right now, what do we, what do we need? We need uh, people to help with first impressions. Greeters at the exits and entrances. Maybe you just like people. Maybe you like just being around people and just saying hi and hello. Maybe you're just a friendly person. and You know, it doesn't take any special talent, gifts, or, or, or capabilities to, to stand at the door, smile, and greet people. Greeters in the Welcome Center. Parking team. Man, our church has done a wonderful job, and I'm so impressed with our new parking system out here. And, and we need people to help to make sure that continues to run smoothly and work smoothly. That's one of those jobs, by the way, that you don't have to say anything. You have to dress up for. You don't have to worry about people, you know, asking you things that you can't answer. That's, a, that's an easy job. Maybe your gifts with children. You want to work in the kids' ministry, in the Wednesday night child care, or work in the preschool or Sunday school teaching. That's on this list. Group ministries. We're beginning life groups through our Sunday school and Sunday school leaders. In the table in the back, there, there are some sign-up seats for new life groups that are beginning. And if you'd like to be a part of a brand new life group, go back there and sign up for one of those life groups. Maybe you'd like to lead a life group. And by leading, maybe you're not going to be the teacher, but you'll open up your house. You'll open up your heart. And say, I'm not sure what I want to do, can do, but, you know, I'd like to be a part of that life group ministry. Facility work days, coming up here and just helping during the day. Maybe homebound visitation, visiting those that are unable to get out anymore. And that, that goes back to Jesus saying, just offering a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. You know, visiting the sick, visiting those in prison. It goes back to what Jesus said that believers are supposed to be doing. Maybe that's something that you can do. Maybe it's helping with Wednesday night supper. Maybe it's not on this list and you know there's something on your heart, though, that you know God wants you to do, that God's calling you to do. Maybe that's what you need to be doing. Because God has called us to serve. God never called us to sit and soak. That's what most of you are doing. He's called us to stand and to serve. To move out in His kingdom. To be part of His kingdom's work. And the new you for this new year could be a year that says, this is the year I'm going to do something for Jesus Christ. I'm going to do something for His church. I'm going to be a tangible, living witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this community. I believe God's calling you to do that. I believe God is saying to people here this morning. That there's something I want you to do. Something I need you to do. It may be that God's saying to you this morning. You need to go ahead and publicly profess your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never done that. You can't serve Him until you love Him. Until you know Him. And like the old hymn says. The longer I serve Him the sweeter He grows. Oh I love that song. And it's so true. 
this morning, you may want to begin by giving your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here as a believer this morning. And you just want to take this opportunity to say, God, here I am. Use me in whatever way you want.